By a show of hands, did, did anyone, when the music was not playing, reminded of how bad you sing? I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but the great thing about it is God's, God's tone deaf. It doesn't matter. He's looking at our, oh, that's painful. Get that out of here. All right, sorry. You got to understand, that's, that's my buddy Dave making fun of a very painful reality in the life of a Boston Red Sox fan. That was, a, oh, and another one. Get these things Get these beer coasters out of here. <laughs> well, just that's really cute of him. As I used to say in my home, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Uh, does anyone realize that we actually had donuts today? Is there any curiosity as to why we had donuts today? Thank you. Whoever just said, why Kevin? Lori. That's awesome. We didn't even practice that. That was perfect. Today, to the day, is our 23rd birthday. So, yeah, very thankful to God for that. So 23 years ago in 2000, when we kicked off High Point Church, it was a Sunday. So super excited about that. We didn't want to make too big a deal about it because 25 is coming. And we thought if we made a big deal about 23, when 25 came around, you go, didn't we just celebrate 23? So... Secondly, is there is, you uh, hopefully are sitting next to or might possibly be sitting on. This is our volunteers need sheet. And as you, maybe you've noticed, I certainly have heard the chatter, which is wonderful. And that is that our church is growing and we have new faces that are coming every Sunday and it's super, super exciting. It's challenging because we have to accommodate for that. And certainly getting everybody on board is a big part of that. And so what you have on the back is this is where we need help. And I, I believe, uh, and we, we are assuming the best in everyone, and that is that if this is where you're going to call home, then we, we really need for you, and really you need for yourself to be involved in some way. And so this is just a chance to see exactly where that might be. And the neat thing about it here is that you can try it out, and if it doesn't fit, doesn't work, okay, try another spot, all right? But what you can do is if you'll fill that out before this morning's over, and you can drop it in the... Uh, boxes in the back where we put our offering or you can give it up to someone at the connect table they will be happy uh, to do that and pass it on then we will follow up with you okay well we are in week two in the last week of the this quick family pit stop message series and if you've seen uh, the Indianapolis 500 or NASCAR or whatever it might be you know when they when the car comes in and it's it's quick because they got to get back out and and that's kind of what this is the idea is we're, we're just quickly hitting you with something so that you can get back out and, and somewhat this is in preparation for the summer when we're spending a lot more time together that we're, we're ready and we, we looked at marriage last week and today we're talking about parenting and uh, those of you that have been parents so those of you that are parents or those of you that are going to be parents, you probably have a sense, and, and I think this is a, an appropriate way to say it, that parenting is a race. And it's a race that has a, a very clear start line. When you go home in the car with one more person, or maybe two, possibly three, more than you had when you went to the hospital. I remember for me, I didn't realize I was a parent until boom, we're driving home, and I'm looking, and I'm like going, okay, there is another person in this car. And they're going home with us, and chances are they're staying with us. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that began the race. And then we had, in our home, we had about 22 years for that race. Because there's a finish line 
to the race, if I can say it that way, to, to the impact you can have and the impact that we had in our home, parenting in the way that we parented, there does come a finish line. Doesn't mean that you ever, you stop being their father or mother. I have not stopped being a father to my, to my daughters. And I'm, out, I'm now a grandfather, which is awesome. But my ability to influence and, and train my daughters is over. And I had to recognize the, the finish line. I'm certainly there to support and help and encourage. And I, 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 I do that, but I, I'm very careful. I try to be very careful to not offer that unsolicited. Because hopefully the work that Nancy and I did in that 22 years, you know, has, it means something and, and we've got to trust God beyond that point. And the same is the case for you. So there is a, there's a start, there's a finish. And our role as parents is preparing them to leave the home in that 18 to 22 years that we have. And so this morning... We're going to look at it in this family pit stop, realizing that it is a race and uh, we want to be prepared. And so what I'm going to share with you are five uh, effective um, responsibilities. There's more than five, but, but, but these are the five that I thought in terms of you're, you're pulling in real quick. We're going to do that really fast. And then hopefully you're going to leave here with something uh, in, your, in your tool belt that you can feel good about the race that you still have left. And, and the amazing thing about in, in a, a group this large, and certainly those that are online, we, we're at different places in the race, okay? And you've just got to apply it however you need to apply it. And I will say this, we were reminded this weekend when the state legislature uh, met and convened, and, and um, there, there's some legislation that came out of that that is very challenging to the family. And we, we just have to be aware of that, 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 that as it and, and I've, I've noticed this and I've, I've shared this, Nancy and I've talked about it. It seems almost harder to parent these days than it was with our, with our kids. And, and the decisions that were made most specifically, uh, Senate Bill 5599, which just really challenges the, the parental rights. And, and, you know, we should always be mindful of what's going on. We should do our very best to, to stand up and protect the family to the extent that we can as followers of Jesus. But I'm just reminded that, that today's message is, is really even maybe more important than it was before they convened. So with that, will you join me in prayer as we launch into this? Father, I thank you so much for this morning, for our opportunity to gather in this way. I thank you for each and every person here. And God, I know in a room this large that we have people that are followers of Jesus and we have those that are not. And we have people in between. I pray you would speak through me as I have nothing to say but you have everything to say to each and every person here, no matter where we are spiritually speaking. I pray that we'll all take a collective step closer towards you. And Father, in particular, my heart goes to single parents and the incredible challenge that they have. But God, it's a great way for you to show off your abundant blessing through them. And I pray your blessing over them. Father, I also lift up to you the blended families we have in this room. Blended meaning uh, previously married or certainly in, in which one is a follower of Jesus and one isn't. And the challenges that are inherent in that, God, I pray that you would comfort them today through this time of teaching. That all of us would walk out feeling stronger and more equipped and resourced, Lord God, to be the people of God, to be the parents of God. That we might see our children and grandchildren become the people of God that you want. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, well, what I'm going to ask you to do is let's get our Bibles open early here. and We're going to be 
hitting a, a number of passages of scripture, but uh, several of them will be in the book of Proverbs. So if you'll get your Bible up into your table of contents, the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament. It's about halfway down in your table of contents. So whatever page that corresponds to, why don't we turn to Proverbs 22. I think that's going to be the first proverb that we hit. Let me review though last week briefly. And I'm very happy to inform you that after the transparency of last week in which I shared kind of behind the scenes of, of Nancy and I's marriage that we are still happily married. <clears throat> now that being said, <clears throat> I was corrected. <laughs> and in all, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the statement of, of transparency, in the spirit of transparency, I, I'll share that correction with you. Uh, I shared with you how my wife um, early on wanted me to to tell her how beautiful she was. And that was something that was very important to her. And she said, do you remember how that came about? And of course I said, not really. She goes, well good, because you didn't share it right. I went, okay, all right, all right. So um, I had made the comment that I thought she looked beautiful one time. And she said to me, and I could tell she really liked that. And I asked her, well, how often would you like me to tell you that I think you're beautiful? Not that she's beautiful, but that I personally think she's beautiful. And she said, Every day. And that's when I went, really? That often? <laughs> so uh, we're working on that, okay? But the idea is, it's me telling her that I feel that way about her. And so I just wanted to make that clarification so that I am, uh, and if she's in the room, I don't know, do I get a thumbs up on this, sweetheart? Are you in here? She probably is hiding right now anyways if she is. Okay, um. So we talked about marriage and how important marriage is. As a matter of fact, uh, I didn't get to share a triangle with you, a little diagram, but let me look at this triangle up here. And this is kind of, this is really important how we understand marriage. And that is that marriage is a three-person unity. When you made a covenantal relationship with your wife, believe it or not, whether you liked it or not, God was there because God created marriage. And the idea is, is as we grow towards God individually, as husband grows towards God in his relationship with God, as the wife does the same, we actually, oh, okay, that's, Bob, go to the next one if you would. There you go. We get closer. We're, we're drawn closer together. And the reason I bring this up is because a very powerful tool in a parent's tool belt is a healthy marriage. As you're each drawing closer to God, as your relationship with God is growing, you, you draw closer to each other. My friends, that is, that is a, a very powerful tool to your kids because they're watching and they're learning. And they can learn so much from your marriage and from my marriage. And I, I said last week that, that the, um, the, the temperature of the marriage sets the climate in the home. And it's just inescapable. And so we talked about marriage last week and how important it was. And that, uh, let me just say this, when your kids come in and you're blessed with kids, believe it or not, you were not blessed with children so that your marriage would suffer. God did not give you kids to say, hey, you know what? Your marriage is too good. Let me add a little complexity here. No, the idea is that we are, we're to prioritize our marriages over our children. I would jokingly say to my kids when they're young, you know, kind of in a way, I, I, when I looked at them and we were all in the room, I said, you know, if one of you has to go, it's not Nancy. Okay, you just need to know that. All right, I mean, and it, ha, 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 dad. You might think, what a sick sense of humor that is. But um, <laughs> it's biblical. I mean, in a sense that our, our, my, greatest, my greatest relationship is with my wife. And I wanted my children to know that. That never stopped me from loving them. And I, and I think they, they're not scarred. I think they're okay. But let's jump in to the five 
responsibilities that I think rather quickly. But before we get to that, I want to I kind of release some tension or maybe some feelings of guilt or shame. Because I know when we start talking about our kids, there can be a sense of, of guilt and shame that my kids aren't turning out right or they're, they're, they're really a challenge and, and what's wrong with my parenting. And that's, that, my friends, is deception from the enemy. This is really important. Let's just say, before you start your engines on this race, you've got to understand that you are not responsible for your children's decisions. But you are responsible, and I am responsible for creating and training and teaching them what the right decisions are. So let's make sure that we understand the difference, okay? So we're not, they are free moral agents, and they will choose to make decisions in ways that you went, where did that come from? You know, did you teach them that? You might say to your husband. He might say, did you teach them that? No, they're free moral agents. And the Bible tells us that we're all born with a sin nature to do the wrong things. Wrong is much more attractive to us than right. And so you're not responsible for those decisions. But you are responsible to train them and teach them as to what the right decision is. And hopefully, through your training and teaching, they will make the right decision. Hopefully sooner than later. But believe me, I've heard plenty of stories where children have seemingly come out of, and, and, and made up a lot of ground late in life when they realize that mom and dad were right. And, and I, I, I share with my, my children, I think you should share with your children, that as parents, we are accountable to God for, the, for, for parenting them. So that when we're making hard decisions and when we're, when we're enforcing, um, you know, the clear house rules and God's commands, they, they've got to understand, I'm going to be held accountable by God for how I parent you. And, and so that they can maybe appreciate and understand. And, and what we've got to recognize is that the Bible gives us what we need to train and teach them. Listen to what Deuteronomy says, chapter 6, listen to verse Four through nine says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a symbol on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We must train our children with what is right and what is wrong, not as we decide, but as God has commanded. And if you stick to this, and it is hard sometimes... Not just for them, but for us. But when we stick to what God's word says, my friends, that's when you're training them. And that's when they're going to be ready to leave the home one day. Now, I will acknowledge that there are many counterfeit parenting styles out there or parenting virtues that are easy to kind of fall into. Uh, some of those are being best friends with your kid. Somehow that, the thought is, as a good parent, my, my child is my best friend. That couldn't be further from the truth. The child does not need a best friend that's 25 years older. They need a parent. Or when you live through your kid, there's some unfulfilled dream that that's, you were not able to accomplish in your life. And so now you're going to fulfill that through your child. And you're not going to give them the freedom to be who they want to be. You're going to pigeonhole them into who you want to be. 
Or there's the parenting technique that says, you know what, I want to be the most popular. I want to be the cool parent. And that impacts how you relate and how you train and teach. And you want to be the cool parent and you want your kids to think you're the cool parent because you also want their friends to think you're the cool parent. And somehow you think, man, I'm kicking it. My friends, that's counterfeit parenting. And let me not leave out those that like to parent kind of like control freaks. We just want to control things. And we like having somebody that we can say, do this, do that. Why? Because I said so. And that's, that's just counterfeit parenting. That is not going to prepare them when they leave. And they will leave when the race is over in a sense. So, that being said, what are the five parenting responsibilities that will make for a good end to the race? Well, the first one is, look at Genesis chapter 1. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. Let's, let's go back. And I want to recognize in Genesis chapter 1 where it all began... God says this in verse 26. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in, in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. The first responsibility as a parent is you've got to have a vision for your family. I mean, why did you have children? Out of curiosity, I'm asking that rhetorically, but did you ever think about why did you have children? Why did God give you children? Was it to, uh, just to, to, to have fun being around kids and, and just having a large family so, you know, the gatherings are great, uh, to have company, to laugh, because there's laughing in parenting, but there's a lot of crying in parenting. But why did you have children? Did you have any idea that when God blessed you with children, that he gave you these tiny little image bearers of himself? And he gave them to you for a period of time. And then you're going to release them out onto the world. And they're going to reflect the image of God everywhere they go. And to whomever they, whose paths they cross. That, do you have a vision for that? Are you looking out thinking this race is going to end. And my responsibility is to release into the world these image bearers of God. Who will live in ways that will draw attention to him and bring glory to him. I mean, Jesus dialed it down even more in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus dialed it down even more. And that is that in this race of parenting, we need to have a vision for what is in front of them. And what is in front of them is a mission as followers of Jesus, that they're going to be sent out to go make other followers of Jesus. And what better place to begin doing that than in the home? There is no better place than in the home. And so it's important that you have a vision, but that you share that vision with your family so they understand this is why mom and dad are doing what mom and dad are doing. This is your part. And, and so that you can give them the, the potential to see what, how important they are to this amazing mission and vision that God has given us. Now, with each one of these responsibilities, I want to bring in um, 
just a, a quick word to those who are not parents. Maybe you're past parenting. Um, and you're thinking as you came in, wow, why am I here? Because I don't have kids and so how is this going to help me? Well, here's the thing. Is you're, you may not be a parent anymore in the way that you were a parent. But you know what, what you are and what I am? Even though my, parent, or my children are out of the house, we're still children. We're God's children. And so I think the same matters that we're talking about here can certainly provoke questions. And so here's a question that I, that I would ask you in light of this, and that is, do you have a vision for your life? Do you understand that when you left the home, you were released into the mission? And it doesn't matter how old you are, can you still see the vision for your life that you are here as an image bearer of God to live your life and to follow Jesus and as Jesus dialed it down even more to make disciples? Is that something that you're thinking about? Is it something that's actively involved in your life or are you just kind of cruising through life? Because the mission isn't over. The mission is over the moment you take your last breath. And the moment I take my last breath, are you mindful of that? Second, responsibility of an effective parent. Now I hopefully you've, you've Open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 22. Look at verse 6. The writer of Proverbs says, Teach a youth about the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So the second effective responsibility is that we train our children's hearts and not merely their behavior. I mean, it's easy to say what to do. Like, I, as a parent, you... you Early on with your kids, you're, you're teaching them to say thank you when someone gives them something. So you're teaching them the what? what? What do I do when someone gives me something? You say thank you. But have you ever had a kid that said thank you in an angry way? <laughs> I mean, the words were thank you, but the facial expression, the body posture, anything but it. But thank you, right? And what do you want for them? You want from their heart to say thank you. Not because mom and dad are looking at them. And so we need to train our children's hearts so that they can understand the principle, which is the why do you say thank you? Now that takes more time. It takes more energy. You have to focus on that. And it's harder in the beginning, but it pays off handsomely later. Because when you train them to the why, believe me, it is much easier, right, to sit down in the living room. You hear them wrestling up in the room, upstairs. They're making a lot of noise. And you say, knock it off or I'm coming up there, cracking skulls. Was I the one that said that? And all of a sudden it's quiet. They don't say a thing. And you're like, I did that from the living room chair. That's impressive. No, it's not. Because you've merely taught them what? You said stop wrestling. But why do they stop wrestling? Because if they can understand the principle, now the amazing thing about it is it can be lived out in other places and other scenarios because they know more than just the what. They know the why. And now you've gotten to their hearts. I hope you see the difference in that. I realize it takes more effort. There's no doubt about it. But don't you want your child to say, at one point, to say thank you without your provocation? Don't you want them to say thank you out of the heart? Because that's good for them. And it's good for the other person. You explain why thank you to someone that's given you something. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they really helped you. And that is... A good thing. So how do we apply this to those who are not parents? Do you think at all of the why to the what that you do for God? Why are you here this morning? 
why do you serve other people? Why do you do anything good? Do you think about it? Do you just do it because I'm supposed to do it? That's, that's not really, there's no growth there. I, I hope you would come to realize it's out of gratitude that we do the what. That's the why. The why do we do the what? It's because Jesus died for us. Jesus came and lived the perfect life for us. And then he was on the cross dying in a substitutionary death and absorbing the judgment of God on our behalf so that we could be forgiven for our sins past, present, and future. We can't on our own do that. Only Jesus could do that. And if we're really uh, personalize that and we embrace that, we're humbled by it. And if we're mindful of it often, then the things that we do are out of gratitude. We're not doing them to try to get God's love. We already have it in Christ. So you have to ask yourself, do you know the why behind the what you're doing? Number three, Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four. This was one that my daughter quoted back to me uh, one time in our interactions. And I'll let you guess which verse she quoted back to me. Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There's another translation that says exasperate. I was impressed with Lauren's vocabulary when one time she said, Dad, you're not supposed to exasperate me. Which is true. But let me come to that in a moment. What do we take from this as the third effective parenting responsibility? And that is we've got to train them to respect authority. They've got to understand it. Because when they leave, they're going to be under it. Whether it's a governmental authority, whether it's an employment authority, but certainly they will be under God's authority. And if they're fighting and bucking that the whole time, then it's going to be really hard as they leave. But respecting authority is all about obedience. We've got to obey. And obedience, it, it needs to be both in behavior and attitude, right? That's, that's really, really important. And as, when our kids are young, what we're teaching them to do is they've got to obey mom and dad. That has to be the standard, the gold standard. You, you do it because mom and dad said you do it. And as you can explain why you do it, you do that. But at some point, then you've got to transition. When they can understand, you've got to transition and say, you need to obey mom and dad because God commands you to obey mom and dad. And because we're accountable to God, we need to parent you. So they need to make the connection that mom and dad's authority exists because God's authority exists. And then what you're hoping that by the time they leave is that your authority has now transitioned entirely over to God's authority. So as they go out and live their lives, they realize I am under the authority of God. And I've learned to live underneath the authority of others. It makes that transition to God so much easier. And they will say thank you for the right reason. Motivated internally. And they will want to please and honor and obey their heavenly father. Now, when we say obedience, we're talking about boundaries. And mom and dad, you got to have boundaries. And what I, what I call boundaries, your kids don't get it, but boundaries are lines of love. That's what they are. We know better. 
Uh, I remember countless times talking to my children, putting these boundaries in place, and, and when they would push against these boundaries, whether they were, they were physical boundaries, people boundaries, um, all, all kinds of boundaries that we, we need, to, time boundaries, moral boundaries, there are boundaries that they need to have in their lives, and they would bump into them. And the challenge was when they had friends whose boundaries were different, or in some cases, non-existent. And they would, they would push on me and, and, and on Nancy as well. And what we had to do is we had to remind them, do you think mom and dad, or do you doubt mom and dad's love in any way? No, dad, I don't. Okay, then trust my boundary. And the love that we had and the love that we showed was so important in reinforcing these boundaries is I need to protect you. Of course, they got savvy sometimes and might turn it and say, you don't trust me, dad. I said, sweetheart, this is not about trust. This is about protecting you from people I don't know. This is about protecting you from situations you're not ready to be in yet. You will be. You will be, but not right now. That's hard, but, but boundaries are really, really important. Now, when we set boundaries, we've got to set them very clearly. And the, the, the consequences have to be very clear in what they'll be if the boundaries are crossed. And here's the hard part, mom and dad. We've got to be persistent and consistent in enforcing them. If you start saying a boundary's in place one time and not another, man, they're smart. They will work you like no one else because they know they've got you on the ropes a little bit. And mom and dad need to be on the same page with these boundaries. Can't go running to mom because dad's boundary is maybe a little bit tighter than mom's. They, they, gotta, be, they gotta be together. Because your job and my job will be to always love as parents and not as peers. And you just gotta be mindful of that. It's challenging because that's not how many people parent, but that is a biblical way to parent. So, how do we apply this to, to non-parents? Well, how is your attitude and how is my attitude when you realize that God's command and his boundary, that's, that's, it's, it's a line of love to protect us, is different than what you want? Maybe it's um, sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's sharing your faith or giving back to God. Maybe it's reconciling a relationship in which, and, and, and pursuing that when they're the ones that hurt you. And you, and you read God's commands and you're like, I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to follow. Well, what's your attitude? What's my attitude? To these lines of love that God knows what we need better than we do. Do we pursue them? Do we, do we reluctantly, angrily, okay, or do we realize out of gratitude for what God has given us that we can trust him with lines of love that we do not see in the same way that I appeal to my children? Four, now we get the fun part, and that is we, where we hold them accountable for their decisions. Accountability is, is critical, and, and accountability in the form of discipline uh, as well as rewards. But it's, it's, it's first, it's discipline that fits the crime, We've got to be mindful of that. There are, um, there are innocent mistakes that our children will make. And we cannot discipline them in the same way that if it was a careless mistake. Or certainly we can't discipline them if it was a willful act of disobedience. We have to recognize the difference. And, and they need to understand it as well too. But if you go back to Proverbs. You're in Proverbs chapter 22. Turn to the left to Proverbs 13. Let's just look at a couple of verses that speak to the, uh, the qualitative aspect of discipline. Effective discipline. You'll be surprised. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. 
The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. And then Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews in verse 5 says, and you have and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? We've got to discipline our kids, but it's got to fit the crime. It's just, it's critical uh, that we do that. But we do that in a way, like I read previously, that we don't provoke them to anger. And this was a very hard thing for me at times because when my kids got into that little cranky attitude, man, I like to needle them and get it to come out even a little bit more. It's, 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 you're wondering how my kids made it out alive uh, at times and I recognize that. But when they, when they started to have this little, little bad attitude, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just poke that even a little bit more. Just, I, I, I took pleasure in that, all right? So now you might have just said, well, I'm not going to pay attention to anything he says past this point now. But there were times when we would get, how do you provoke them to anger? With discipline. You do it when you don't reinforce your love for the discipline you've just handed out. When, when, when you do it angrily, you're provoking in them anger. When you don't do it with love, when you don't reinforce that love, you're doing it with anger. And you're doing it in an exasperating and provoking them in an angry way. Discipline is super important. Super important. But we've got to couple it with the love. We've got to couple it with the vision that you have for the family and for them in particular and how important discipline is in the shaping process. They've got to see the two of those together in order for them not to really truly be provoked to anger. And then also, if you look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 14, or 13 and 14, writer of Proverbs says, don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Strike him with a rod and you will rescue his life from Sheol. Wow. The point is that discipline has to be out of love, not out of anger, which makes what I'm about to say next really important. But at the same time, there has to be a painful aspect to discipline. Pain is a teacher. Rightly adjudicated and rightly met out consistently, realizing that as your children get older, right, discipline changes. We gotta recognize that. But, but pain has a place in teaching us how to grow, where not to go, and where to go. And, and that's, that's from God's word. That's not my own little rendition. But it's very important how we carry that out. Now, let's get to the other side of it. Discipline's important, but so are rewards. We can't forget the rewards. The Bible speaks a lot about rewards, particularly in the afterlife. That there is motivation to, to, to do the right things and, and, and connected to that motivation are the rewards of the afterlife. So we need to recognize it. Now in our young kids, we reward them. We want, we want to praise them with our words for sure. And they love that. They light up with that. We, we might give them gifts or whatever. You, that's a really good thing. You're making connection to good things come from good things. That's okay. But as they get older, 
You certainly don't want to stop with the words. Words are powerful. You don't want to stop with the, with, with the gifts or whatever. You, but what you want to add as they get older is freedoms. Freedoms. Because you know one day they're leaving. And you've got to parent them in the midst of that freedom. I know before our girls went off to college, the thought of them going off to college, because I remember what I was like in college, and it scared me to death. And, and I just it put an emphasis on, on me to really prepare them with the freedoms at home so that when they went off to college, they didn't think, okay, I'm finally out from underneath my mom and dad and I can do whatever I want. I, I didn't want that happening. I wanted them to have the freedom that they earned and were even more accountable for, but they, they knew how to handle it so that when they did leave, they were ready for that. Now, as parents, I'm, I'm curious, or non-parents, is God disciplining you right now? Is there something going on in your life that's just, it's hurting you? It's haunting you? And you're mistaking this, this line of love that God has for you to repent, for you to say, I, I, gotta, I gotta turn away. I, I gotta stop doing this. Are you mistaking that message for the fact that he doesn't love you? And he's turned on you. Do you have any accountability in your life? Is there anyone who asks you the questions, the hard questions, and you're not afraid to answer them? We need that. We need that accountability. It, it helps us fulfill the vision that God had for us when we were children and our parents parented us and then we left and the mission that Christ has us on. Lastly, number five. Number five. Let's go to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Listen to what Joshua let me find it here. Verse 15. It says, but if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, meaning God, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. He said, whatever. He says, but as for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. We will worship God. And then Jesus said to his disciples as, as they were considering following him, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, this is in Luke chapter 9, 23 and 24. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. My friends, your children and my children, they need you to be modeling what it means to follow Jesus. You see, when the race ends and they're released and they're unleashed and they go out into the world, they are to continue following Jesus in whatever vocation, endeavor, state, wherever they might be. And they need to know what that looks like. And so that is you sharing with them your passion and your commitment to Jesus. Now understand that in some cases, your passion and your commitment will not be embraced. It might even be rejected. But if you live it with authenticity, because children are not looking for perfection. They understand no one's perfect. But they're looking for authenticity. Is it real to them? Do they, does it really matter to them? Are they really devoted to it? My friends, I've seen time and time again where parents or where children go out and they're looking to find happiness in the world and through the things of the world and they're left with their hands empty. But in their head and in their hearts is the memory that mom and dad found something. And, and that, my friends, is not a big leap for God to use in their lives to bring them back to the answer to all of their hopes and dreams and desires and that is Jesus Christ. So model 
for them. And don't hide the challenging aspects of it. Let them understand that you have some doubts and some frustrations. And it's hard for you and some, share that with them. When you sin, confess that and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Let them see that uh, with you and your relationship with your spouse. With them. I mean, there were times when my daughter said, don't exasperate me, dad. I said, I am sorry. Will you forgive me for provoking you to anger? Let them see that. Let them see the reality of that. And the last thing I'll say on this, and I've never understood this, but it's, it's been said. When people kind of float away from, from church and I, I catch up with them and, and I'm finding out, well, man, are you all right? Where, where are you? You, you? You're missing. Oh no, we're just spending family time. It's important. You know, I'm working so much that Sunday is really our only family time. And I say to them, is church not family time? You see, if you see church as something other than family time, then, then really what you're, what you're revealing in a way is that it's about religion. It's about the do's and don'ts. And, and you just need some time not to be doing the do's and don'ts. You need some time just with your family. This is not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. And you want your children to have that relationship with God. And, and the worst thing you could ever do as a parent is to say, you know, I'm not going to coach or encourage my children to choose any one particular faith. I'm going to let them figure it out for themselves. Oh. That is whacked. You have been entrusted with God's precious gifts as image bearers of himself. Don't leave your kids to flounder and try to figure that out. Just don't do that. And let them understand that being involved and engaged in a church family is every bit family time. And it's, it's super helpful for them to see that. And, and since that's part of the authenticity and commitment that you're modeling for them. My friends, God will use that to bring them back. He'll honor your faithfulness in that way. Okay, there's my five. What do we want to do for this week? Three things. I'm going to challenge you. Write out a parenting plan if you haven't got one. Just write it out. If you, if you, you know, start with a vision. Okay, what's the vision? And work through the parenting plan for these responsibilities that I just shared with you. And then share your parenting plan with your kids. This is why we're doing this. Understand the big picture. Mom and dad are accountable to God. We want to see you reach your full potential for the reason for which you're here. And here's our parenting plan to do that. And then lastly, is focus on the weakest part of the plan. The weakest essential responsibility that I just share with you and say, that's the one I'm really going to go after. Okay? All right, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your patience with us. Thank you for family. And God, even though some of us in this room are not parents like we used to be, we are your children. And every bit that applies to our kids that we did our very best and are now gone applies to us. And may we live that out for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.